0: Good morning, everyone. Uh, how are you doing today? Good? Glad you're in church? Okay. Some, we're not so sure, but we're glad you're here. <clears throat> well, hey, today we're beginning a brand new series uh, called Only God. And what we're going to do over the next six weeks is we are going to dive deeply uh, into one particular book of the Bible called the Book of Acts. And uh, Acts is in the New Testament, uh, the second half of the Bible. And one of the things that I want to challenge you to do, uh, starting next week, is for you to bring your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we have free Bibles that are right at the resource table, and you can pick one of those up. And just over the next six weeks... Uh, we will have an opportunity for people to read their Bible, to highlight it, to uh, do some different things that I'm going to help you with in the midst of that process. In your program today, you should have received a little reading plan. It says Acts Reading Plan Week 1. If you can pull that out for a second, it looks just like that one on the side screen. And... As we go through Acts, what we're going to do is actually encourage you to engage in the Bible daily. It will not be hard reading or long reading, but there'll be some uh, reading that we want to encourage you to do. And if you are a Facebook uh, person and you spend a lot of time on Facebook, um, we are going to have a question that we will give and then people can join in and respond, and it explains everything, how to do that uh, on the bottom of that. Okay? You good to go? Let's jump in. Okay. Now, regardless of your wherever you're at on a spiritual spectrum, and uh, there'll be a slide that comes up. To the left there, uh, what you'll see is there are those who ex- are exploring. They're explorers. They're just checking out, Uh, this whole God thing. And at the far right are Christ-centered. Those are mature Christians who have surrendered themselves fully uh, to the working of God. And probably for most of us, we fall somewhere in between uh, that, um, but some of us may be on one end or the other of the spectrum. And exploring uh, this whole God thing, or if you're a Christ-centered person, regardless of where you're at, if there was just one thing that I could encourage you to do so that you might grow closer to God, the one thing that I would encourage you to do is to engage with this book daily. Because although we try our best each week, we don't always do extremely well, but we try, to inspire and encourage and challenge each of you, to grow in your faith where the greatest growth happens is between Sunday to Sunday when you take time to engage uh, with this book. So the single most productive thing that you can do is to engage with the Bible. You can read it, ponder it, and then ask God, how do you want me to apply this passage to my life today? And it's the primary way that God speaks. If you said, well, God's never spoken to me, every time you open up the Bible, those are his words spoken to you, so he speaks that way. Now certainly he whispers to us as well, but it's through the reading of the Bible that he speaks the most. Now some of you are fully engaged with reading the Bible and you take it seriously and daily. You're in the Word. Some of you are like, What? I tried it. I turned to the wrong page. It confused me and I gave up. And if you're at that point, I understand because most of my early adult life, I was at the exact same place. Others of you uh, used to read the Bible pretty regularly, but you got out of the habit of doing that, and you fell, and now you've kind of stalled out in your spiritual walk, and you're wondering why. Well, that may be one reason. Folks, the single most important thing that you can do if you want to grow closer to God is to engage with the Bible daily, and we're going to be lifting up this value over the next six weeks with our series called Only God. So throughout the series, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you how you can look at a particular Bible text, how you can draw some information from it, and then how you can apply it to your life. And it's all around this concept of only God. Only God. Only God can do a bunch of supernatural stuff in your life And we are planning for some of those experiences to happen over these next six weeks. So what I'd like you to do is to turn to um, Acts chapter 9. It's in your program there. Because next week, we won't have our programs, but we'll bring our what? We'll bring our Bible. If you don't have one, you can just pick it up. Just for this series. And um, Acts is a story about the birth of the church and how the church grows. And it is the coming of the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, after Jesus died, rose again, was resurrected, and ascended. He left His Spirit to be present with us. That's why sometimes, maybe when you're worshiping with music or uh, something else, all of a sudden you you feel like goosebumps, or you feel teary-eyed, or something like that. That isn't. We don't turn down the air for you, or we don't do a lot of ooh kind of stuff. No, the Holy Spirit just has a way of being able to give us us gifts uh, for us to experience that. Now, Acts was written uh, by a guy by the name of Luke, who also wrote a book in the Bible called Luke, and he was a doctor. And I like doctors. (laughs) Do you know why some of you who are here for the first time, you're like, oh, my gosh, I don't like my doctor. My wife's my doctor, so Dr. Love, that's what I call her. (laughs) She's not here right now. Don't pass that on. Um. <clears throat> okay, so the way we're going to do this today is a little bit different, but I had this idea that the way we would do this is uh, I'm going to pretend that I'm at a cheap coffee shop because I would never pay $5 for coffee, and some of you do. I know you do. So this is like a really dive. This is a dive. You know, it's a real cheap kind of coffee place, and uh, if I were at that coffee place and I had my Bible, I'd also get a journal so that there was something that I could write down, and while I was there, I would pick a particular text, I would read it, then I would ponder about it, I would think about it, might drink a little bit more of my coffee, and uh, then I would try to apply it, ask God, how can I apply this to my life? Now, today we're going to look at a passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 9. And um, what I would suggest is don't read a whole bunch. Just read a few verses and then stop and let it kind of saturate into your spirit. So let's go ahead and let's look at this story. Starting in verse 1, Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul, a guy, okay, not a girl, a guy, was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He was against Christians. In other words, he was a terrorist against Christians. He hated them, and he wanted them removed. The scripture goes on. He went to the high priest who was in Jerusalem, that's where the high priest is, and asked him for letters to the synagogues, the worship place for Jewish people, in Damascus. Now, The distance between Jerusalem and Damascus is 135 miles. Now, for those of us who have cars, we're like, hey, that's no big deal. That's not very far. But if you had to walk it or you had to get on a donkey and go that far, it would take you a week. So that's what's going on here. So that if he found any there who belonged to the way, anybody know what the way is? the way? See that's why you come to church. I have all this valuable information. Just for. You. The way was the name of Christ's followers. They were not called Christians originally. They were called the way. And so uh, this was the way, the way of Christ. and so the way. Now he's looking for Christians who are gathered in Damascus and he doesn't care whether they're men or women. He is an equal opportunity terrorist. He doesn't care about gender. He will take out whoever. And what he wants to do is he wants to arrest them, imprison them, and if he has to, he'll kill them. The scripture goes on. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saw, saw, why? Do you persecute? Now, if I were reading in a coffee shop, I'd stop right then and I would pause and I would ask the question, what is this text saying? What's going on here? And the very first thing I would conclude, the first learning in my coffee shop would be this. Saul is a Betty, very bad man. Okay? You did so much better than the early group. I said, Saul is a betty, betty bad man. They did not laugh. They just all sat there. Okay? So some of you may have to move to that first celebration to get them lighthearted a little bit, you know? But he's a bad man. And his whole purpose in life is to seek out, to arrest, to imprison, and potentially to kill people because they have a different religion than he does. And there's something wrong with this guy to be thinking like this. You all know that the most dangerous people in this world on planet Earth are people who will kill other people in the name of God. I don't care what God they're claiming to talk about. If you believe that you are so right and other people are so wrong in their religious beliefs that you're willing to kill them, that's a problem. And it's a problem that we see increasingly in some places in our world. So Saul, who later becomes Paul, and we'll talk about that in our series, has kind of this radical belief system that he is going to go, he's planning it out, he's going 135 miles to Damascus, and he's going to take out some Christians. He's going to take them out. And at the least, he's going to make sure that they're arrested. Now, for Christians in that day, if they had to answer this question, who is the least likely person to come to Christ in this year, who would they say? It's all. It's all. Now, in today's world, if I were to ask that question to you, in 2013, who is the least likely person to come to Christ and be baptized, who would you say? (laughs) I don't know how to respond to that, but that is not the answer. Okay. We love Lady Gaga, I guess. All right. Now, This is the person that I would select. Do you know who that is? That is Amin al-Zahari. It is the number one person in al-Qaeda since Osama bin Laden was killed. And there is a $25 million reward from our State Department for him. Now, I'm going to make a bet right now that I will bet anybody in here, we can take him down, I will bet anybody in here $10,000 that he is not going to come to Christ or be baptized in this in this year. Anyone to take me up on that bet? No takers. I mean, he's never going to bow to the one true God. Now, this is the whole point to all of this. You really can take that picture down. Thank you. Is that I want you to place that in one category. And now I want you to think about something very important in your own life. Who is it in your life that you really think, is unsavable. There is no way that they're going to come to Christ in 2013. That you've decided, you know what? This guy, this man, there is no way they're going to move even to an explorer phase. They are off the spiritual spectrum. They will not be coming to Christ this year. And I have a feeling that if we could have looked at all of your brains right now and we scrolled through that, some of you have pictures of people that come so vividly to your brain. Maybe it's your dad. Maybe it's your mom. Maybe it's your sister, your brother. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's your kids. For some of you, it's your grandchildren. And some of you have names, and you're like, you know what? You're right. I've written them off. I don't think they're savable. I don't think they're salvageable. I don't think they will ever come. They are a lost cause. You know, I was thinking about this week in my own life, that I probably could take this sheet of paper, and I could put several names down on it of people... That I used to pray for. But I don't pray for them anymore. I've just kind of given up. I can give you the names of people who I have prayed for 20 years. When I was 21 years old, I started praying for a few people. And I prayed daily. I reached out. I um, gave them resources. Invited them to church. But somewhere along the way, I just said, you know what? I'm kidding myself. I just need to stop. They're not budging. Now, there are other people that I have prayed for, I've reached out to, I have uh, seen them take steps of faith towards Christ. But the ones that don't come to faith over a long period of time, those are the ones that beat me up inside. And if I'm not careful, folks, if I'm not careful, even a guy like me can give up on people. I write them off. A couple weeks ago, I went to a person's place of employment. I've known them for over 10 years. I knew them before we ever started the jar. And as I talked to her more, and I know her husband, we connect regularly, it just kind of hit me. I haven't made a dent in their spiritual walk towards Christ. I mean, we're good friends. We, Like I said, we, I probably see her once a month, she and her husband. But it's very easy for me to lose belief that God could actually reach down and touch their lives. Because I just haven't seen any progress. Well, if I was sitting in a a coffee shop and I looked at these first few verses, I would be thinking to myself that Saul would be the least likely person to come to Christ. And then, after I read the text, I'd go, I think he'd be the least likely. Then, when it came to a question for my own life, I would ask this question. Who are the people that I have written off? Who are the people that I've written off? But as we see a little bit further in the story, something happens to Saul. And we realize that there is only one person who has not written him off. Who is that person? Jesus did not write him off. Only God, only God, can sustain an unshakable love for people who are far from God. Only God keeps on trying. I lose heart. You lose heart. But God just keeps on trying. So this bright light flashes as he's walking down this road, and then all of a sudden he hears this voice. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. He replied, "Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do." The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sounds, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not see he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Now, Saul is an independent guy. He's rebellious. He's hard-hearted. But when he gets knocked down through this light, through this experience with Jesus, he does exactly what Jesus tells him to do. He gets up, he goes into the city, and what? He waits for further instructions. He just obeys 100%. No questions asked. He just does what God tells him to do. Now question, regardless of where you're at on the spiritual spectrum, whether you're an explorer and you're just checking God out, which is a great place to be, or you're on the other end and you're Christ-centered and you've surrendered everything to God, or you're somewhere in between, if you get a whisper from God, what should you do? That wasn't a trick question. What should you do? Do it! You do it! I don't care where you're at on the spiritual spectrum. To the best of your understanding, if you get a prompting from God and God cheers for you to do something in your life, you do it. You just do it. Even if you don't understand it, Even if it is hard, even if it's going to make you a little bit uncomfortable, you do it. And if I were in a coffee shop and I had read this passage of Scripture and I pondered on it, the thing that I would write down is this. Never dismiss a whisper from God. Never dismiss a whisper from God. This week, I um, went to Walmart on Valentine's Day (laughs) to get some groceries and to buy some gifts uh, for my two youngest daughters. Another guy in the church, he really actually kind of put on guilt and made me feel bad because he said, oh, I'm getting all of this stuff for my girls. It's a big day for us. I'm like, I was just going to give them a coloring book. You know what I mean? So I felt guilty, so I go to Walmart. Let me just give you a piece of advice. If you go to, don't go to Walmart on Valentine's Day. If you've ever been there before, you know what I mean. If you have waited that long to get the Valentine's, just wait until whatever the next holiday is. St. Patrick's Day, you know what I mean? And say, hey, sorry, but it's a bad day. And I get on the groceries, because we had like a family meal, and... uh, I got this stuff for the girls, and I get in line, and I'm waiting in this line. And you know it says 20 items or less? People lie. They really lie. And so I'm waiting there forever. And I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I finally get up to the counter. And just as I get to the counter, guess what the cash register clerk says? Excuse me, we're not closed. But we have to switch. And so they have to wait for somebody else to come all the way up. And they're so excited to get there. And then they switch. And you know, like, they do all this stuff. Like, you think they're doing, like, their ID stuff and they're switching. You know, I just think they want to make you wait. I I really do. So they do all this stuff. And I have my stuff. And she's ringing it up. And... All of a sudden, in the midst of this, I get a whisper that says, I want you to encourage this woman. Give her a word of encouragement. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? She should be encouraging me for standing in that line that long, you know? But I was like, okay, I'll obey this one. I don't obey all of them, but I'll obey this one. And so I tuned to her, and I say, uh, "How you doing?" She's like, "Fine." Just keeps on going. And then I thought, "Man, I gotta say something more." And this is the only thing that I had. Would you be my Valentine? <laughs> Actually, I didn't say that, but wasn't that good? <laughs> but I did turn to her, and I said. Happy Valentine's Day. And she's like doing all this, and all of a sudden she just stopped. She kind of looked up at me like shocked. And she goes, well, happy Valentine's Day to you too. (laughs) And I picked up my bags and I walked out. Now this is the point, folks. I believe I was prompted to give a word of encouragement to that person. But she didn't get on the loudspeaker and then say, this guy just told me happy Valentine's Day. We should give him an award. She didn't go, are you the pastor at the jar? I'm ready to accept Jesus right now. She didn't do any of that. But I believe I was prompted. I gave the encouraging word. I took my bags and I went on. Several years ago, I was invited to a uh, Muncie Southside basketball game. A guy that I had played basketball with in a league, uh, and we would play during the week, had invited me to go to one of the games. I'm like, sure. We had not lived in Muncie very long. And uh, I said, yeah, I'll go to the game. When I got to the game, I was harassed. By his group of friends. But I was harassed by him. Forever. The game had not even started. They're doing layup lines. And they're like, you couldn't make a layup. And then they gave some other words. Some F-bombs that I just can't you know, say in church. But all of this stuff is coming. And I started noticing. I was looking around. And no one was sitting by this group of guys. It was like four rows. Clearance all the way around us. And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I just felt this prompting years ago. Don't judge. Become their friend. And I did. I kept going to Southside games, and I didn't throw any F-bombs out, but I kept letting them, you know, kind of do whatever, and, and... and they didn't know I was a pastor at first. And I thought once they found out that I was, that it would get better. It got worse. It really did. I think they tried to see, when's he going to judge us and just walk away? And I just kept going. And then when the church first started growing, I'd sit at these games with these guys, especially if it was a Muncie Central game. There's a big rivalry. And I would sit there. And I mean, again, no one's sitting by them. But there would be people from the church that would walk by. And like people would be yelling and screaming. And all of a sudden, they're like, How can our pastor be sitting with those people? And that guy who took me for the very first time to a gang, I started praying for him. And I prayed for him for 11 years. And two years ago, he accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior. He's a part of the church today. Well, there was another guy that uh, I started kind of praying for and reaching out to. And... uh, Again, I just felt that same prompting. Don't judge, become their friend. I learned that he really liked golf, and I did too, and so we started golfing uh, during the summers together. And we would golf, and again, there would be all kinds of stuff set on a golf course that we can't say in church. Let me put it that way. But I would just keep golfing with him, keep golfing with him. And I would invite him to things. I'd ask him about things of faith. Didn't move the radar at all, but he, you know... Still kept giving me a hard time. And then uh, a few months ago, almost a year ago actually, he came to church. Now he had come before, but usually just on Christmas or Easter, said, hey, I put put my one time in for the year. But then he started coming back and back and back. And he showed me one day that he said, hey, I've been reading the Bible. And he said... I've got a Bible that my dad gave me before he died, and I've been reading the highlighted passages. And I said, Man, that's great. And today we're going to celebrate communion. And on a particular Sunday, I just thought of prompting that we should have one table, just like we're going to do today, so you can think about it, be praying about it. We're going to have one table just for people who say, You know what? I'm ready to accept Christ. I'm ready to give my life to Him. I think it makes more sense for me to do that. And I was standing at that table, and I had said that, and I had my head down, and I looked up, and all of a sudden, Wayne was standing right in front of me. And he accepted Christ on that day. And he's been growing in God more and more and more. And next week, guess what? He's getting baptized! I think the water might start to boil, actually, when Wayne gets in there. But you'll want to be here, folks, because that's what we do what we do. I don't want you to come here and just sit in a chair and go, oh, wow, Bunch had a couple good stories today. I want you to invest in people's life as you hear whispers from God and then to step out in faith and really make a difference. It all began with a whisper. Do you think whispers matter, folks? Do you think promptings matter? There's a couple uh, in our church. They felt a whisper one day that they should go to their neighbor And invite them to church. And so they, you know, had the guts to go. And they go all the way over there and knock on the door. They invite them to church. And they said, no. And so this couple prayed some more. And they were like, well, what are we going to do? And so they go back. And uh, they knock on the door again. They said, can we take your son to church? And the couple's like, yeah. You want to take him for two hours? You take him for five days. Just take him, you know. And this little kid has been coming regularly over the past couple of months, and uh, he's learning about God who loves him, and he's learning about the fact that God has a plan and purpose for his life, and it all goes back, folks, to a whisper. Now, I have a confession to make. As the wife of this couple was sharing this story to me about picking up this kid from neighborhood and bringing them to church. I thought to myself, you know, that doesn't even register on my radar screen. I drive through my neighborhood all the time and I see kids out playing and it never crosses my mind that maybe I should stop and maybe I should ask to see if the parents would like to have dinner, or if the parents would want to come to church, or if the parents would say, "Hey, I got two girls; uh, he he or she could come with me to Jar Kids." We have the mo- one of the most loving uh, children's ministry uh, programs in all of the county. They do great things up there for kids, and maybe it should cross my mind more. But maybe it should cross your mind more too. What could happen if you invited a neighborhood kid to go with your children to jar kids? Or if you don't have kids, just adopt them. Where might that lead? But again, it all goes back to the story that we're looking at today. When God whispers, what do we do? Well, the story of Saul continues on, and the idea of obeying a whisper goes to a whole nother level. Look at verse 10. So Saul is kind of laying low, and then we read this. In Damascus, there was a disciple, a Christian, named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, a whisper, a revelation. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street And ask for a man named Tarsus, named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and he has come here with the authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then I'd stop there. Now, when God whispers to Ananias, Ananias does what you and I do so often. We say to God, Excuse me, did you get the memo on this Saul guy? And basically, that's what he's saying. He's like, God, did you search the internet lately for this guy? He's like all over the place, and he is wreaking havoc on every single person who's a Christian. And he has papers, and he's coming to this one church in Damascus, your only church, God, and he's going to destroy it. So you want me to do a favor for this guy? I don't think you're quite in the loop, God. And then God says to Ananias, one word. Do you remember what that word was? What? Go. He says, go. Maybe you're not in the loop, Ananias, and my ways are higher than your ways. He said, go. You go and trust me. And you know, whenever I'm in the middle of a prompting and I'm asking myself, should I go or shouldn't I go, I'm reminded of scriptures like this that simply say, go. 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 I don't know the full loop that God is in. And I don't know what he might do with a Walmart clerk if I choose to reach out to that person. I don't know what could happen to a group of guys if I choose not to judge them and I choose to build a friendship. I don't know what could happen to a kid in my neighborhood, if I invited them to come and to be with me. I don't know that. And guess what? You don't know that either. Now, if I was at a coffee shop and I wanted to write down a few notes of what this scripture was saying, this would be the first thing that I would say. God wants Ananias to tell Saul this. You are my chosen instrument. You are my chosen instrument. And you tell that guy named Saul who's killing Christians, you are my chosen instrument. And you are going to be an instrument for great good. How would you like to hear those words from God to you? Be pretty cool, right? Well, if you're a Christian and you're a follower of Christ, I am here to tell you this day that you are a chosen instrument of God. You don't feel like it half of the time. Sometimes you don't believe it in your darker moments, but it's true. You were saved for a purpose, and God wants you to be an instrument that is used in His hands. You are a chosen instrument instrument of God and you might be asking well whose job is it for me to figure out what kind of instrument I'm supposed to be and who am I supposed to serve and how am I supposed to serve and all of that is that the the, uh, is that the jars job yes or no no is that my job yes or no No. Whose job is it? It's the person who's sitting in your seat. That's whose job it is. And you are a chosen instrument. And you must search out and seek and read the Bible and pray and ask God, what kind of instrument do you want to use me as because I'm available? The next thing that I would write down if I was in a coffee shop and I was looking at this text, is this, that Saul, you must carry my name. You must carry my name. Folks, if you're a Christ follower, you are a carrier of the name of Christ. In your neighborhood, in your office, on the factory floor, when you go to the fitness center, when you go to your kid's school, when you go to college, you're carrying the name of Christ. Christ. You either carry it in such a way that people are attracted to it or you carry it in a way that pushes people away. Every time you come into contact with someone, you are a carrier of Christ. They either feel more positively about Christ or they say this, you know what? You couldn't pay me enough money to be a Christian if that's what a Christian looks like because that is not who I want to be. But here Ananias says, Saul, you're going to be a carrier of the name of Christ. You will be led by the Holy Spirit, but you've got to carry that name boldly, attractively, intelligently. I was... Doing my prayer time this morning, I was praying, and in a moment I just said, God, if there's anything you want to whisper to me, I'm open. And this is what he said. Love boldly and speak boldly. Now this is the problem with some people. When there's a little crack of a door that opens up with someone, they like tear it down. And If the door's only cracked, that's only the further you can go in. When it was with Wayne, I couldn't go in when the door was this cracked. I had to wait several years for it to get opened enough. And for some of you, you need to balance that pretty well. Folks, let me ask you this question. How are you carrying the name of Jesus? Are you carrying it well? I hope you are. Here's the last thing. If I was at a coffee shop and I was writing something down, I would uh, write this. I would write down, uh, you will suffer for God's name. That's what Ananias tells Paul. You will suffer for God's name. I really invested in someone uh, this past fall. A lot of energy, a lot of time. And uh, the person totally just used me. Use me like, you know, the welcome mat that people use to just wipe their feet on. And I remember when all this was going on, I just asked God, I said, God, why is this going on? I feel so used. I feel rejected. And I sensed God saying, now you know what I feel like. Now you know what I feel like. Chris, never forget, that's what God said, Never forget that Satan is constantly on the attack. attack. And when you do battle in his camp, expect hardships and disappointment and some suffering. You know, some of us thought that when we came to Christ, that it was going to be easy. That it wasn't going to be hard at all. Folks, it's going to be hard. There are going to be evil forces at work that want to destroy everything that you're trying to do to grow closer to God. But remember folks, greater is Christ who is in you than he that is in the world. Let's finish up. Verse 17. It says, then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. And he said, what's the next two words? What? Brother Saul! He's a terrorist! Brother Saul! The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was what? So check this out, folks. Here this guy is in Jerusalem. He's planning... A terrorist invasion to take out the one church that is in Damascus. On the way, this light comes and prevents that from happening. He meets Jesus. He obeys Jesus. And historians tell us within just a few days after this, guess what? He gets baptized. The same church that he went to destroy, in just a few days, he's baptized in. And can you imagine the texting that must have been going on when that baptism celebration was getting ready? Hey, Saul is getting baptized. Whoa! He's going to blow us up. No, no, no. Saul is really getting baptized. Oh my goodness, really? Can you imagine the most unlikely person in the world who would have come to faith and been baptized... The most unlikely person goes into the baptism waters and then when he gets out, everybody's clapping for him and going, you're our brother. I think the only phrase that you could put with a story like that, folks, is only God. Only God. Only God. And this is what I'm here to tell you today. The people that you've given up on, your dad, your mom, your sister, your brother, your boss, your kids, your grandkids. The people that you think are the least likely are the people that God has not given up on. It's God's desire that no one would perish, that everyone would have a relationship with him. It's God who is rooting for people. And if God's going to root for people, you root for people too. Now, this is how we're going to close today. In just a moment, we're going to share in communion. And this one table that's right here, we're going to keep just for anyone that wants to accept Christ for the very first time in their life. I'll be there. We'll share communion. I'll pray with you. It'll be great. But some of you are sitting there right now, and you're saying, you know what, you just described this saw guy. Well, Chris, if you knew about my past, if you knew how bad I was, you would know that I'm unlovable, I'm unsuck, uh, unso- uh, un... Well, I have to forget it. Unbel- <laughs> just put it this way. You're, you think you're a bad person. No, you're not. No, you're not. I don't care what you've done, what you've said, where you've been. No, you're not. You're no worse than Saul. And you can be accepted and loved and redeemed and come to Christ in a great way, just like my buddy Wayne did just a few months ago. And God is waiting for you. I had this image this week of a welcome mat. That God has this welcome man, and he says welcome i don't care where it's been just welcome now for others of you you're christ carriers you're the carrier of christ's name some of you you do that really really well but some of you've gotten kind of rusty yet You don't really pray for open doors with people anymore. And you're not as fired up as you were maybe when you first came to Christ. And now for you, what I want you to do is just take a couple of moments and confess anything that separates you from God. And just say, God, would you renew my heart today to love people the way that you love people? And after we spend a little time in confessing, you can go to any of the other uh, communion tables and take it, just not that one. And you can take a piece of bread and uh, dip it into the juice. And take and eat. But for some of you, I have a feeling that you've had a prompting maybe at some point today if you've not made that commitment in which maybe the whisper today is God is saying, today's the day. Today's the day. I just want you to follow whatever God's whisper is. Not anything that I've said, but whatever the whisper is. I measured it from as far over there as I could to that communion table is 80 feet. It'll be an 80 feet walk if you went from there. Otherwise, it'll be a much shorter walk. But that 80 feet walk can change your eternity. It will change your eternity. It'll change your future. And so, I just want you to listen to God's whisper right now. And then I'll close in prayer. And we'll share communion. And then we'll come back and close in a song and we'll be done. So Holy Spirit, would you come right now and would you whisper whatever people need to hear? God, thank you so much for remembering us today that you still are in the business of changing hard hearts. You can change any heart, God, in this gym right now. No matter what they're going through, what pain, what hurt, what struggle, what problem. God, help us, for those of us who are Christ carriers, not to give up on our moms or our dads or our brothers or sisters or bosses. They might just be a prayer or a prompting away from a new eternity with you. So Holy Spirit, I just ask that you come. you would whisper to people and that there would be life changed in this place I pray this in Jesus name and for his sake